here we go. Hey oh. guys, welcome to episode 113 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Comet number five, and my fellow host has begun his descent into a whispering madness <laughs> with all the zombie support. Big tough. Uh, hello, Mr. Combo. I'm so excited to see you in person again. I have nothing really to talk about, Major, but I know you do. Uh, for those who don't what? know, what do Mr. I have to talk about? Mr. Combo just got back from his uh, his trip out to Italy. I got to see it all through Instagram. It looked awesome. My personal highlight was you wearing that pork pie hat as much as you could because it's a great hat. Your outfits were on point. Fan fa fantastic, except people got very confused and thought I was uh, – meaning to head to cuba oh it definitely looked like i was ready it's a little, for a it, it's, it's a, a little, little summery it was a little tropical a little beachy yeah, yeah yeah but um so i my only thing i want to talk about real quick uh is talk about madness so yesterday i was really bored i actually have six ish new and updated decks that i just got the cards in for and i wanted to wow. play them and I, I i think i'm playing on sunday maybe but it's still up in the air so i was talking with ross about them uh, so he was like, well, try this. And I did it. So I set up a table, set up four pods, and then just played them all against each other by myself. Insert Owen Wilson. Wow. It was, it was a nightmare. I think it made me a better player. Uh, some players at the table had some critical misplays around how Wheel of Misfortune works. Uh, and also there was a perplexing chimera on board, which made it very difficult to try to think what, what wouldn't it be easier just to have four windows open on your computer and just do tapped out, but I don't have them in tapped out. I, I don't even know if I, these are all just right, the first time right. through. I just wanted to see what they were like in real life. Um, I don't know if it's going to be an exercise I'm going to be doing again anytime soon. It was fun in the sense it was like just fun to get the reps in with these. Cause you know, sometimes like you've talked about the games go 30 minutes and you get to, don't see the deck at sure. all. The game goes four hours and you see too much of the deck and you never <laughs> want to play it again. Uh, but okay. So I want to hear, um, this is, this is what I always ask people about their trips, right? I want to hear your star rating out of five and half star increments. Okay. That's number one. I want to hear your peak, your pit. All right. And then another thing is if there was one thing that you could have changed in the trip that was within your realm of control, Okay. what would you have changed? So I'm going to start there uh, because this is something okay. that we learned. So, you know, a few of the attractions, you know, you have to get a ticket to enter. Uh, the Vatican, Sistine Chapel, Coliseum. Right, right, right. And our mindset was like, I mean, you should be able to buy the tickets a couple days in advance and you'll be fine. That's not the case. Um, Italy <laughs> is also not very flexible if you make a mistake on your reservation. Uh, and by not very flexible, I'm meaning zero refunds. So that's Whoa, the thing really? that we've learned is triple check when you're doing everything. Because our, our friend Jared uh, had booked our train tickets on his phone and sent me uh, my deal. Because he's one that signed us up for the Europass. And... The Europass app punches out to another site that does the seat reservations. Europass said, Florence to Rome, XYZ time. For some reason, the website it punched us to booked us on a train from Rome to Florence that day. But we're in Florence. Oh. So we show up and they're like, no, this is a ticket to Rome to Florence. And it's like, well, clearly I'm not in Rome right now. I'm, I'm yeah, here right. in front so of you. <laughs> and so we basically had to pay a, a, a quote-unquote late fee to be able to get Change our tickets fee or yep. whatever. Yeah. and then they wouldn't refund us our money for our tickets and then the Sistine Chapel we never got to see 
because what? apparently it books like two weeks in advance on the tickets. Oh, Everything else gotcha. in Rome was a day or two. This apparently was two weeks. But we once again, we didn't realize it because we did one of these package deals, book the Colosseum and book, book the Sistine Chapel, right, right, right. get a 5% discount. So we go ahead, book the Colosseum first. I think we did it on a Thursday. And then it was like, okay, let's do the Vatican. We didn't look at the dates. We just saw Friday, 1 p.m. That was the earliest we could do it. It's like, let's do it. Friday, 1 p.m. Yeah, right. Do the Colosseum, <laughs> no issue. Show up to the, the Sistine Chapel on Friday. Uh, oh, by the way, in case anyone didn't see my Twitter post, I got to see, or we got to see, the uh, presidential escort to go meet the Pope right, uh, right, right. at the Vatican, which was pretty insane. What a coincidence. I know. Well, and I think there were 75 cars that escorted Biden into the Vatican. It was insane. So anyways. Makes sense. Show up to the Sistine Chapel after walking around this fucking Vatican because the wall, there's just no shortcuts. Turns out the ticket was actually for yesterday. So November, whatever the hell that would be, 4th. Oh, the 4th. Yeah, we were yeah. there in October, not <laughs> November. So that's the thing that we've learned is double and triple check when you do your okay. stuff. Same thing even with we needed the negative COVID test to enter into the country. We did it 48 hours in right. advance, thought that'd be fine. Apparently, they booked up all over the place. We had to hire a private doctor to do our test. So oh, it's just like you can't do stuff just a day or two in advance. Look at that shit. Yeah, a you week gotta be plus. months and months away. So yeah, whatever. that, that okay, is that enough. is what we would definitely have done different. That was within our power. Change. Yeah. Now we'll go back to the beginning. The star rating. I'm gonna break it up just into the cities. Uh, Florence, five out of five, hands down. I'll be going nice. back. Um, I don't even need to go back and see historical stuff. I just want to go back and walk around and hang out in the city. It is such a relaxed, yeah, yeah, yeah. chill city. Rome. Three and a half. Really? Food was great. Uh, the historical aspect, I mean, I literally saw something, Tuck, that was built in 800 BC. That is Whoa, almost 3,000 nice. yeah. years ago, and this thing is still standing. Um, and so it was absolutely phenomenal. But the city is a cesspool. It's dirty. It smells. It reminds me of Beijing. Oh, gross. Uh, oh god yeah. yeah and like you know how sometimes you just walk down beijing and you you smell that smell and you're like that smells like rotten fat and something else like yep. i want to throw up open air open air markets yeah so yeah. that's that's why i'd give it three and a half um and i even told our friend that when i go back over with my fiance which will be at probably that time wife um we'll do rome but we're gonna do it to where it's like we get in at 6 a.m we just do a long day and then we leave late that night um, I stole the, yeah, there's a right. place, if you ever go to Rome, La Cabanara, best Cabanara you will ever eat. It was phenomenal. Um, so there are some spots I want to go back and visit because the food was so good and the history was great, but I, I, there's no reason to spend multiple days in Rome. How long did you spend like two yeah, days Yeah, Yeah, we spent two or? days, got there Thursday, okay. left on a Saturday. So, And you were like, and by the end of Friday, you were like, we need, I'm ready to well, go. Well, that and Rome, we didn't realize, uh, is actually now the biggest uh city per capita in europe uh the largest now that oh, london wow. has brexited and uh, with that we didn't realize that it's a actually very wide city as well so florence for example we could walk from our apartment in the southeast corner to the train station in the northwest corner of the city in no longer than 20 minutes you know it's oh, it's a very okay. gotcha. walkable yeah. city 
Rome, we would walk 20 minutes and maybe be halfway to the next spot. Like, we legitimately had to take a cab from our apartment to the Vatican because it was like four or five miles, which isn't awful. I mean, you could do that in an hour and a half if it's a straight shot. But Rome, there's so many turns and twists. you got to wind Yeah, it's going to be like three hours. And also to your point, when you're on vacation, like that's fine if you live here, if you live there, right? You're like, I guess I just have to walk an hour to get to this place, right? When you're on vacation, you don't want to burn a quarter of your, yeah. a quarter of the day or whatever, just, in, just walking around. And, right? and normally we were already doing 15 to 25 miles a day. So like that without yeah. doing that. So it's like, we would have been doing 30 to 40 miles a day if we were walking all over Rome. Right, right, right. So that's why Rome gets three and a half. And then the last thing would be Pisa. Pisa is a one star. Literally, the only thing to see there is the Leaning Tower, and that's it. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. They don't have any cool food. There's nothing. I mean, we even took the because there was literally so little to do there. We actually took the train further west, went to the coast. You know, got to to look oh, at nice. the yeah. the Mediterranean, which was really cool. But that was it. And then even the place that we ate yeah, at right. it was a food boat. And it was fine. It was like some fresh uh, fried squid and octopus. But at the end of the day, pizza and that stuff, it's a day trip. You know, uh, nothing like that. But Florence. Who don't need to book your trip around it. Exactly. So uh, that's that's the star ratings. Now, if I had to give you what my peak and what my low was from an experience perspective, I would say the low was probably not being able to see uh, and go into the Sistine Chapel and the Vatican Museum. Yeah. Uh, that kind of sucks. Um. And then uh, I would also say another low would be, uh, hmm, man, that is so, I mean, because there really just wasn't that many lows. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Like, you can have one. Bit, I guess, I guess right? that's, like, it. that's it. That's but it. like, yeah. gosh, from a ceiling perspective, uh, what's like the one, what's the one thing that was the best? Okay. I'll tell you the one thing that took my breath away. Uh, we went up into the uh, uh, Basilica of, uh, oh, what is it? St. Andrew Orzov, <laughs> an Orzov Basilica, uh, if you possibly. will. Possibly, it's the Basilica above the Vatican. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it's St. Peter's Basilica. There we go. Uh, we went up at that, and so you're looking down into the Vatican Church, and it's just like, oh, that's. I mean, there's some cool stuff down there, but you know, we go up, beautiful view. As we go down, right. you have to go through the church to exit. So it's like, all right, let's let's go check it out. Tuck, have you ever been to the Vatican? I know you went to Jerusalem. I've never been to Italy. Okay. So, well, technically Vatican's own country, but you know, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> is this, is this going to, is it? So I'm surprised. I actually thought you were going to come with like a baguette and like a plate of pasta. You already got your Italian soda. I thought you were going to be like, buongiorno, mi amigo, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like I thought you were going to be like, you know, when someone comes back from like studying abroad yeah. and they're like, oh yeah, we took the, we took the tube. Sorry. That's the subway yeah. in London. No, you know, no. Yeah. I've just been uh, <laughs> drinking Chianti since I've been back. Like I had a, I had a bottle last night, uh, had it with some shitty pizza, spent an hour today making fresh pasta uh, for dinner tonight. But Tuck, if you have a chance in your life, and I would say this to anyone, whether you're religious or not, you need to walk the floor of the Vatican. So a lot of times, Tuck, when I imagine a big cathedral or church, and I've been in Notre Dame, a lot of it is paintings. It's mosaics. Right, right, right. Vatican was 90% carved statues everywhere. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, And yeah. literally, like, the church was so massive, sideways, one into another, it had to almost be a football field. It was almost 100 yards wide, couple hundred yards deep, just art 
everywhere. Everywhere. Um, yeah. And, you know, they actually had people in there praying and people going and doing confessionals. Uh, I mean, right. that just... It's a live church as yes. well, right? Yeah. And, and so that's, that's really probably the thing that both me and our friend, we just were looking around like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. So... That's it's, it's a it's a power of history. Yeah, yeah I got you. So man. that that would be the oh, and of course, people, the food, the food's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the pizza <laughs> over there, people will love this. If you eat the right Italian style crust, the way that it's supposed to be made, uh, they say, oh yeah, it's very common for an Italian to have one, maybe one and a half pizzas for lunch. Just saying, if an Italian can eat a whole pizza, <laughs> I'm down. Exactly. Yeah, I could eat five. <laughs> if they're only on two, those are rookie numbers. Well, that's awesome. Yep. Like, I'm so glad you had a great time out there. Um, especially with like how uncertain travel is and all that shit. So absolutely. I'm glad you're back because boy, I need your help. I, I'm glad I'm back too. Uh, let me tell you the one thing I did miss was my bed. Uh, the bed in uh, Florence uh, was fine, but there was no air conditioner in the room. So I'd get really hot and sweaty. And then that yep. sweat would make the bed cold. It was very uncomfortable. And then Rome, they just took two twins and smashed them together. So both me and our friend kept rolling into the seam every night and like oh. waking up like half <laughs> swallowed by this like, bed. Oh, so uh, I was very nice. thankful for that. But I will put this out there for the collective if any of you guys have ever thought about international travel or have any questions, you know, feel free to hit me up in Discord or on Twitter. I'm always happy to, to share the different tips and stuff. You know, like a perfect example is this trip. I think lodging and airfare, flying Premier on Delta, so that's just that's the old first class. Um, I think we maybe spent fifteen hundred dollars round trip. Wow! And, and the average that's... meal tuck was 45 euro that was a bottle of wine two bottles of water like the big 750s and each yeah, of us right. getting our own entree like very affordable right. the food was great very reasonable uh it doesn't have to be three four five thousand dollars when you think of an international trip you could do it on a budget i feel like italy if you want to go there and blow five grand sure, sure you could find a way yeah, to go, do it go to milan and right? but, you yeah. know just hang out with all the <laughs> fucking models that don't eat any of the delicious food yeah exactly they just starve themselves well i'm so glad you're i'm so glad you made it safe i'm so glad that i i was worried that your pit that your pit was like we twisted an ankle and couldn't like had missed out on a day. So nah. safe travels, safe everything there. No, so. the the worst part was there was one day we stood stayed up drinking three or four bottles of wine, eating edibles because they just sell weed on the street there uh, till like three thirty in the morning, and we had to be oh, up God. at like seven. So that was awful. But well, other than that, if you guys want to support CMD Tower <laughs> and all the content we put out, head over to our Patreon. In our, in our future international travel. Yes. Well, hell, I hit up people on Twitter to see if there's anywhere in Florence I, or Italy I should have known about magic. I didn't hear from anyone. So uh, yeah. I would love to do a magic fest in another country. Ooh, that would yeah. be fun. So you guys should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower. We have tiers starting at a dollar, going up from there, four different levels. The big hot item right now, you know, we're constantly adding things to our patron. Like, you know, over the summer, we decided to become a patron ourselves of RK Post. And then as he sends out his tokens, we'll actually share those tokens with the collective, depending on your tier. And also the one that everyone's excited about, and you might have saw the picture on Twitter, the CMD Tower holiday sweater is reality. Ooh, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. Tuck, it's insanely soft. Uh, it yeah. washed great, washed it on cold, low tumble, and then just hung dry. It didn't shrink at all. Um, so we're going to have very limited supply. I bring this up because if you were a, a patron, and let's just say by Thanksgiving, if you're a patron by Thanksgiving, 
you will get A, early access to pre-order your sweater, and B, a $20 discount. These sweaters are normally going to go for $50 because of the, the high-quality cotton that we have at them. If you're a patron, though, you're going to get it for $30. So we're going to do a yeah, limited a time discount, um, you know, for the people that want to pre-order it. Uh, but that gives you a big incentive. Like, you could join our patron for a dollar, get into the Discord, talk with the legends like Hamburger Demon Poop and uh, MTG Lord of Leaves, but then also save $20 on a sweater that you're probably going to buy anyways. And... Now you're part of a community or even, you know, the $5 to where we're going to give you some additional swag. So there are some benefits to signing up um, and getting that initial discount because you get more out of it. Because that's really what we're here for. We're not here to make money. We're here to enable the community and constantly improve the content we put out. Part of those rewards, though, it's pretty exciting. As we do patron announcements on Brews and Builds when someone joins. Ooh. And we do have a new patron. <laughs> Hooray! Huzzah! And he, I think I know who you're talking about. He's in, I'll look up the Discord name for everyone else out there. So, the actual, oh man, and this name is badass. The Usurper <laughs> King Richard. Ah, uh, yes. You can find him as King Rickers on our Discord. Nice. So he's already in there mixing it up, chopping it up with the best yep. of them. Thank you for being a Big Tuck Brew buddy. Uh, Whoa, definitely nice. love to uh, grow the community and... Now that I'm back from Italy, I'll be able to send you out your stuff. So, huzzah. <laughs> now, if you are an existing patron like King Richard, and maybe you want to recommend someone join the collective, have them message us on Patreon when they join. If they let us know that some existing member referred them to our patron community, we'll send you something just as a thank you. It could be some product. It could be a signed card. Just kind of depends on uh, what your collective recruit initiated. Now, we do have a store, so if Patreon isn't really your jam, you're like, F community, I hate this stuff. I want to talk to as few people <laughs> as possible. I get it. I'm like that at times. So you could get your own sweater, playmat, any of the CMD Tower branded products at cmdtower.com slash merch. Tons of products on there. Obviously, we're going to keep growing it. Um, hopefully, we'll be uh, having our foil new playmats with some amazing Bruise and Builds art coming in the next three to four months. Um, so, yeah, just uh, head over there. Now, we have to give a big thank you to our audio and video editor, at underscore Teacoats. Tyler does all the editing for Bruise and Builds. Um, and, you know, from YouTube to the audio to the sound effects, he really puts in a lot of effort and energy to this. So... Make sure you follow, make sure you subscribe and sharing all this content so that way we can grow the collective. But if you have any feedback, let us know. We're always looking to improve. Now, Bruise and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32 and the 12 themes of EDH decks, we have moved on to the classic brew from day one B&B &B, with a traditional episode. A. Uh, see, look at that. I'm already starting to try to Italianize everything. Yeah, exactly. You're getting in there. Oh, we like describe the blue. We got the decks that symbolize the how the beer is blue. <laughs> uh, so we broke it down into four different categories. Uh, the first one's ramp and setting your board state. We correlate that to grain. And grain are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. And then we have how does your board interact with all of your opponents? We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish subcategories like IPAs. Our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can ultimately do what it wants. And then how does the deck actually close out and win the game? That's called yeast. 
And yeasts are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. And without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have shenanigans. These can be pet cards, synergies, alter the broods. It is a mill card that are in the deck that are just kind of fun. We call that spice. It was in here and got cut. Uh, not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into jalapeno stout, or the addition of hops that turn IPA into a double IPA. Not every duck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it. Do you even mill, bro? Do you even uh, mill, Then we bro? have a bottle capping, where it's going to be big text and eyes, cuts and adds to the deck. They're going to be under five bucks, under a 50 piece, and a no budget lottery ticket card. The only restriction is no mana only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. Uh, I guess Big Tuck wanted some help with Mill, and he knows that I kind of, you know, get a little uh, thick. You get a little juicy. You get a little juicy yeah, about it. When yeah. it comes to Mill, so we're talking about Mirko Voss, the deck drinker. Yes, uh, this was maybe my third deck I ever built. I, it's been in tapped out for five years. If you don't know the boy, Mirko Voss Mind Drinker is a 2-4 legendary creature vampire, a rare, uh, that for three colorless and demir, that's a blue and a black, he is a flyer that has, whenever he deals combat damage to a player, that player reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal four land cards, then put those cards into their graveyard. So, uh, I chose this deck to talk about because... It's one of A, it's one of the few ones that I have in my collection that we have not yet discussed. And B, it's been a deck that I've had for so long. I don't I I really used to enjoy playing this. And the last few times I've tried it out, it's just kind of been a little flat. Mm. I don't know if it's just because Mill's not that much of an archetype or it's gone too far in one direction. Uh, I think Demir is one of my favorite color pairings. It's like Demir and Rakdos in two colors are the ones I like the most. I think because I think it gives you a lot of uh, fun mechanics. I think it gives you a lot of fun cards to play around with. But this is just a deck that I have started to kind of lose um, some enjoyment out of and actually i was going to now that uh i'm away from the kansas city area my end goal of this was do i keep this deck or do i strip it for parts for potentially a rogue build which i've always wanted to do but ak or sorry squee mcgee had that pretty much on lockdown from the jump. Yep. So as it turns out, because of my card hoarding, I actually was able to completely build a rogues deck with the pre-con and cards I had lying around. And the only thing I would need out of this would literally be lands. Wow. <laughs> so I'm keeping it. But Mr. Combo, you've seen this deck in action. I know you like your mills. What do you think about the archetype? What do you think? What have you thought about the deck when you've seen it? Um, I think uh, Sir Nathan has a similar build. Um, he has a Phoenix deck, maybe, or or it's a Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you think about Demir Mill? What do you think about this deck when you've seen it out in the wild? Well, uh, one thing uh, to clarify, I think it's kind of b bullshit, just frankly, that Mirko Vosk didn't get invited to this wedding on Innistrad. I get it, he's on Ravnica, <laughs> but you know what? Let, why don't we make a uh, portal yes. and go over in the multiverse and pull Mirko Vosk over? Uh, that's kind of nonsense. Uh, the last time, yeah, we no invite to yeah, him. Yeah, no invite. Last time we saw him, it was like, hey, go look at the maze. Go, go figure that out for us. And then we haven't seen him since. So. Nice. Uh, that's some nonsense. Uh, number two, I have seen this deck, whether it be you or other people in the wild. I feel this has not stood well the test of time. 
this reads very similar to like when we did my Aloro deck of like at the time it made a lot of sense, but like you're trying right, to do right, right. too much. It's I'm trying to mill sure. me, I'm trying to mill you, I'm trying to pull creatures you, from yeah. my guard yard specifically, your yard specifically, spells from mine, spells from yours. It, it, there's a lot of like your opponent or your. There's right, not a lot of right, like right. just put a creature from a thing or play a spell from a graveyard. So I, I, sure. I feel like maybe we're trying to go in too many directions. Um, and I have some recommendations on the bottle capping that I actually think will take the deck in a direction that will better match your new play group. Very battle cruisery. Because I think there is a version nice. of this Demir build with Mirko Vosk where you're living in the red zone as a whole. You're not ever really just right. trying to generic mill. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's honestly one of the reasons why the rogues was so much more appealing to me, at least like on the sense, because it's still an aggressive deck. You're still dealing damage. I think we you agree that like the one of the hardest things with mill is that instead of dealing with three players with 40 life, you're dealing with three players with effectively a hundred in some shape in some shape or form, right? Well, yeah, I mean uh, so I, or 97 yeah, or whatever I was, it is. Well, I was about to say, cause I usually kind of look at it this way. If you're a mill player, you're going to have to mill roughly 210 cards. About 70 from each player yeah. is probably what you're going to have to do. That's probably about right. Yeah. Um, versus the life loss. You're absolutely right. You may only have to be responsible for 30 depending on what your opponents are doing, but not many, not, it's right. going to be very unlikely that you sit down at the table with another mill player. That's there's their mill strategy is going to be advantageous for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get a little more combat focused. I'm um, just going through some stats here. The color pie is pretty good, yeah. um, especially for having eight islands and eight swamps completely by accident there. Again, this was done way before we even looked at this sort of thing. Curve three, five, which is okay ish. Um, and then this build of the deck is somewhere in the 370 to 380 range. Um, I don't really know if there's anything in here with foils or anything like that. I don't keep track of that because I'm too lazy. Uh, and I think there's a few cards in here that really pump that up. So I've seen these decks be built for $50, but not this one in particular. Yeah. I but it's also, it's also weird because I've, this has been a deck I've had for so long. Like when I've had good utility cards, I'm like, oh, I'm going to put this blue or black utility card into here just because I know it needs an upgrade or whatever. Yeah, I think the interesting thing um, when it comes to the pricing is I actually think it's going to be a big challenge to build a good mill deck for under probably $200 now because it seems yeah. like once Broodvac got printed, it's like all the mill right. cards just spiked. I mean, hell, Alter the Brood went from like a $1.50 card to a $5, $6 card. So the, yeah, I think it I think absolutely. it actually is going to be a bigger challenge. Um, but you know I think there are some components in here. I think you're going to see a uh, backup commander uh, that we might talk about later that could like it? that could give you that mill budget deck. Um, I just think if you're trying to do Mirko Vosk, Broodvac, Phanex, I just think a lot of I mean Phanex might be easy because you do like uh, draft shaft. For all the creatures, yeah, right, just creatures. Yeah, yeah. but I think Big I think these, some of these other sure. ones, it's a little bit harder because some of those mill cards are just hella expensive. And the last thing I'll say is that this deck is dominated by its hops with a thirty-two count compared to the fourteen grain, the fifteen yeast, and the four spice. The thirty-two count. It's 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 a it's a hop. It thirty-two count. Oh my god, Mirko Voss <laughs> comes in with a chair. <laughs> Give it a 32 count. Oh, with that, let's get into the grade section and Big Tech start us off. Not a lot of yeah. flavor here, so where are you going? I think we'll have a we'll have a couple here. The first one, though, I want to give you 
a quick briefing about what the mission is. You didn't go with this? Really? No, I'm of course shocked. not. What? Okay, double. T- so mission briefing. It's a rare from Ravica Allegiance. Uh, double blue for an instant. Surveil two. Then choose an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. If this card would be put in your graveyard this turn, exile instead. And then to surveil, leave the top two cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest on top of your library in any order. I love the surveil mechanic. Uh, it's one of my favorite keyworded things, although it does suffer from my also favorite thing to rant on, that it came out in one set, and we don't think I've had a single card yet that has surveil on it. Um, and I think this card's really strong, right? I think it's – the problem can come in where there are only a handful of cards that I really want to cast – but there are some instants and sorceries here that are very strong, which you want to get multiple casting out of. So Mission Briefing, for me, lets you filter off the top of the deck. And then Late Game lets you play one of the cards to hopefully push the game out. Maybe one of your yeast, maybe a pretty spicy uh, pretty spicy hop, something along those lines. All for two blue mana. Sure. I, I think the biggest issue I have with Mission... Now, I think it's a it's an okay card. Um I yeah. think my biggest issue with it, though, with your deck is your commander doesn't mill you. And if you actually look at a lot of right, your good yeah. cards in your deck, a lot of them don't mill you. So mill you I'm either, not sure. really – a lot of your cards in here where it's like you're specifically pulling from your graveyard, I just don't know how – I mean, and maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I just don't know how impactful they're truly going to be unless you just get the the once in a blue moon where, oh, this nine-drop sorcery is in here. Yeah. I can now reuse it again. Yeah, I, there's a lot of instances of sorceries in here, so that's why I've kind of kept. Um, that's why I've really kept mission briefing in, just because like you, sometimes you need to ponder, sometimes you need to brainstorm, something like those lines. Um, but you're not wrong there. I think it, there is a bad dichotomy between my and other people's graveyards. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, my first one, I know you're matched on. Uh, it's an enchantment that we have to pay life to use. Oh yeah, here we go. Hold on, let me get the. It's been so long that I gotta make sure I got the shaker. Three, two. One unfulfilled, unfulfilled desires. desires. Colorless Demir enchantment. Suck it. Good, good. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, this is on. This is a piece of magic history. For one colorless and one life, draw a card, then choose and discard a card. And I've already rolled up the name. We have Joyra the Get To, who for some reason sounds a little bit like this. <clears throat> look a day from night. Speaking of POTUS, <laughs> look a day from night. I live my life apart from you, just glimmering you across the sky. Because you cannot change, my dear, and nor can I, we will build this wall. Uh, and that's uh, our old pal Trump from The Love Song of Night and Day. Well, there we go. Uh, so this card kind of can make your mission briefing work because of the pay a life, draw a card, then discard a card. So right. you can kind of set up your own graveyard. But honestly, I'm more just looking at this as this is how Demir draws cards. You didn't want to go yes. the standard... Um, you know, necropotence route, which would just be better than this. Um, and and and, sure, that, and that's yeah. fine. So it's it's keeping you on flavor, and you are occasionally getting stuff in your yard that you maybe can recur later. But I just look at this as, hey, I'm gonna pay a life and a mana, and I I'm going to net zero a card, but I can get to something I actually want. This was part of my giant Frexian Arena purge uh, that I went through over the last couple months. And just cut out there. The one thing with Necropotence that is tough is that if you do have to discard cards, it does exile them. So that's that's started to bite me in the ass a couple times. So I'm a little more wary on that. I do think that Necropotence would be really good in this deck, especially if you cut out all the stuff that cares about my own grave. Yeah, but here's the thing is I don't actually see you discarding any cards. Like almost everything in here, it's well, you take it from 
the top of your library, the library yeah, yeah. which you wouldn't be mill or you wouldn't be exiled and you wouldn't have unfulfilled desires in the deck which would be the one discard one i actually see in here the one that you run mm -hmm. the most yeah i mean i got a necro lighting around so maybe it'll maybe it'll be slotted in there here you go. all right tech well what's your last one all right another surveil card uh, this one is a sign in blood or a read the bones, but instead I like it because it looks like the matrix. We are talking about notion rain. So colorless Demir, that's a blue oh, and black. Rain. <laughs> you can, uh, surveil two, then draw two, and then it deals damage to you. And we uh, do have a little bit of flavor text here from, uh, our old pal Tomio. This one's pretty good. The sorceress Supreme. Now it's been a while. So let me think through this and find the card again. City air is a constant drizzle of private thoughts. I'm Tilda Swinton. So uh, this, again, was just kind of more of like a spice pick. I just like it because I like Surveil a lot. Um, and you can run Read the Bones or whatever in any other deck. And more importantly, I like the rain because it looks like the Matrix coming down. It's like little words and little bubbles. So a little bit of a flavor pick. But again, if you do find those cards to bin, uh, you can pull them back with like Mission Briefing and maybe a couple other things, which is why this is in there for me over just your bog standard pay three, pay two, life draw two. But I like this better than those. Really? Okay. Because you can bend from the surveil? Yes. Yeah. So anything that's going to be a scry or surveil and then the number, and then you get to draw whatever that scry or surveil is, to me, that's essentially three mana. You're kind of getting to look at four cards. And, ah, and, right, and that's right, a great rate for me because that's less than one mana per card that you got to see. So Notion Rain, I'm all about it because it might be something that you top, it's early game, you need the lands. Okay, right. nine drop, goodbye. I'll keep the soul ring there and maybe I get lucky on the next one or the vice versa at the late game. I could give a right. flip less on anything four mana or less. Uh, so bend both of those because right. I literally don't need them. I'm looking for gas and Notion Rain can absolutely I, do it. I just wish there was more surveil. Like if I could turn this into a surveil deck, I'd do it in a heartbeat, but there's like 20 cards that have it on and half of them are unplayable. Hey, I was able to build the dungeon deck somehow you could build a surveil deck fair enough all right well i got two left um you got two my, left. my second one it's very vanilla actually both of these are very vanilla but i wanted to bring them up because i, I think it's always important when we have these top down commanders uh lightning greaves i feel like you really need that with yeah. these kind of oh, commanders, you need it so bad especially the fact that he's five mana so two colorless artifact equipment uncommon wow it's like six dollars Good lord. Still? It just got reprinted, too. Uh, and it states, equipped creature has Station Shroud, equipped for zero, and there is text on this particular one. This is from a card that we might be talking about later, potentially from Ashiok, who sounds oddly like a choir boy. After lightning struck the cliffs, the one became iron, the iron became steel. And the steel became greaves. The lightning never left. <laughs> See, I'm the choir boy that likes to rebel. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like listening to whatever yeah. trip hop that the kids are listening to in the back. You say trip hop? I don't know, man. It's something. It's a real thing. So anyways, uh, I mean, Lightning Greaves, a very vanilla card. Yeah. I've just actually gotten in a habit, though. I've actually started cutting it from decks. 
because I realize really? I don't actually need it for my commander. Like, my commander is a top-down, but it's he's they are not the threat. It's everything else that's the threat. Oh, uh, that but stuff like Mirko Vosk, yeah. he is a threat, so people will try to kill him as quickly and as often as possible. So you do need yeah. a Lightning Greaves. You do need a Swift Foot Boots. You need those basic things uh, to try to protect these commanders, especially because I don't think Tuck wants to pay 5, then 7, then 9 to finally get to use this guy. That's a huge problem in this deck, too, is just, like, running out of ways to recast Mirko because he is so critical to the deck's theme, which is another reason why I'm like... Yeah, I feel you. Not sure. I agree with you. I'm not sure if it, if it holds up quite as much as, as it should. Uh, and then my last one is Preordain, and it kind of goes to what we just Ooh. talked about with Notion Rain. So, uh, single blue sorcery, it's a common. You get it for 50 cents. Scry two, then draw a card. I'm here for anything that we get to kind of look through the tops and then kind of almost stack how we want to draw. So uh, right. this this is great. I think it's great for this deck because also if you do lean more into the I want to mill myself because I'm trying to cheat things from the graveyard, the scrying and the surveil are going to be very key to that. For sure. What's your power ranking between these three? Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain. Well, Brainstorm will always be uh, number one. One, right. Um, and then I would probably go... Uh, I would go personally Ponder, then Preordain. Just because you know me, I'm very anti-discarding like discarding cards. I don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I just get to basically reorder the top three, and then I could potentially shuffle if I didn't even like them, I'm not actually losing yeah. any cards. Yeah, I agree with that full-heartedly. I think that's a big, the big win with Ponder. Argue, some people argue it's better than Brainstorm for that exact re same reason. I think those people are insane. That's absolutely but insane. It's instant, and it doesn't even matter the three. Like, you could pick up three gas cards and then put your hand on top of the library. Like, right, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Anyways. I don't know. People are morons. They are morons. What are you going to do? Uh, well, guys, that's going to wrap up the grain section, and now we're going to head over to the hot profile, and I'll kick this off. With a card. There's a lot of options here. Uh, lots of options, and I know Tuck uh, didn't pick this one because it's uh, definitely uh, Ashiok bait for me. Oh. <laughs> uh, we are it. talking Ashiok Dream Render, uh, one of my favorite Planeswalker characters in all of Magic. So good. Uh, they... I didn't really like the whole Theris Beyond death story, like the little bit that I heard, but Ashiok has always been very interesting. So, colorless and then Demir Demir, so you have the option of paying any combination of blue and black as long as it equals two. Legendary Planeswalker Ashiok, uncommon from war, comes in with five loyalty. Minus one. Uh, target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then e exile each opponent's graveyard. Amazing. Especially when you're in a mill deck. Spells and abilities yeah. your opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their library. Backbreaking. And it yeah, comes in for about a so dollar. Dollar seventeen. Yeah. <clears throat> it is bonkers. I did get this argument with well, not argument, uh, with Sir Nathan as well about his mill deck where he doesn't run this because it exiles the graveyards, which I can kind of see, but I think this versus um what's it like leyline of the void or whatever this one you can choose yep. right like it's good enough i feel like to your point ashiok is good enough to run just for its static ability that's strong enough to cut off fetch lands and yep. tutors and everything else and then if you're at a point where it's like these graveyards are humongous and i don't want anything out of them you can always do the minus one whenever you want right yeah i think the thing that and it maybe hasn't bitten sir nathan yet in the butt i know it bit me in the butt with terrifying tyler is you know i, I you know i run alter the brood in so many decks and i'm like yeah the incremental mill oh yeah his like his marin deck just completely like it's like oh yeah bring it 
it on and like I was doing it and I I milled like I'll take it every I time, milled like yeah. over half of his deck, but then it was like, oh, and now I win. And it's like, oh shit. Right, yeah, yeah. This would have been amazing to get rid of your graveyard <laughs> when I did it. So I do think there are times maybe you don't want a static rest in peace effect, but if you can kind of on demand Bajuka Bog or Bajuka Bog all of your opponents, I think that's extremely powerful. Plus, yeah. in this, you have the flexibility tuck, depending on the direction you take the deck, if you stay more where I think you should do the opponent focus, you obviously can pick any of your opponents to mill four. But if you are trying to still have it be a you focus, you can always, and that's the cool thing about Ashiok Dream Render, mill yourself four, but then all of your opponents still get their graveyards exiled. So it literally just yeah. enhances you and hurts them. That is going to play so well into my first top pick as Ooh, well. Ooh, what is it? Ooh. Uh, this is, it's a Monarch card. I put these into almost every deck. This happens to be the blue one that I chose for this because it works as well. Court of Cunning, always good. So colorless double blue for an enchantment. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch. Worth it on its own. If the, ref if the rest of it was blank, here we are. Uh, but it does say at the beginning of your upkeep, any any number of target players, to your point, each mill two cards. If you're the monarch, instead, each of those players mill 10 cards. Or 10 cards instead is how it's worded. Uh, and we do have a little bit of flavor text here. Being read off by Propipios, Astronomer, Meltis, uh, your old pal, Mr. Goldblum. <clears throat> uh, uh, a throne built on wisdom cannot be toppled. I saw an ad recently for apartments. I remember that. Remember before we went and saw Jurassic Park? There's a good Jeff Goldblum thing that you thought was hysterical yeah. where he's like, bye bye, what the things? Nailed it. He's a great guy. So I think the I think a key part of this is A, it's Mill, A, it's Monarch. But to your point, it's any player, right? Yep. So you can always choose yourself if you're trying to build your graveyard out a little bit. So even if that's not the direction this deck wants to go, which I'm pretty, I'm, I think even with my cuts that I have, that's how it's going to go is more opponents, less me. Yep. Uh, even then, even then you can still choose anyone and million two is fine. Million 10 is a bunch. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's just a matter of fact of keeping the Monarch until your upkeep, which in this deck is probably not very likely. Yeah. And, and the, actually the way I look at these court of Monarch cards, you need to run it in a deck. If you're comfortable, never having the Monarch. Just, just, mm -hmm. it, you know what, whatever its other thing is, would you pay that for whatever its mana cost is? So basically, Tuck, imagine the thing's blank. At the beginning of your upkeep, any number of target players each mill two cards. Would you play, would you put that in your deck for three mana? This particular one. If the answer is no, then I don't know if it actually has a home in the deck. Be and and that's only because you like the Monarch mechanic, but I don't think you're ever going to have the Monarch. I will say the one thing that does... That's a good point. I'd probably still keep it in because effectively this also says draw a card, right? Like pay three mana, draw sure. a card, then the two. So whatever. But the fact that I'm playing an aggressive commander is going to make me at least be able to get the Monarch back at some point to draw another card off it. But if it's going to, to your point, if it's lasting to the upkeep of the next turn, that's a much bigger and different question. Yeah. And I do, you are right. You are going to be living in the red zone. But I think the thing you then have to focus on is most of your combat centered mill things it's the player that's being dealt damage so then you have to mm. figure out are you wanting the monarch mechanic to determine who you're milling oh because, yeah, because yeah, what if sure. it's like man i want that monarch because i'm tuck and i love it but i could literally swing and probably get this person to almost dead do i do that right and, and right, try right. to get this game moving that's where i think you would then have to struggle for me I don't think I run this particular one in my Aloro deck. 
Um, I might because of the Monarch thing, and I'm always gaining life and stuff. Uh, but the black one, I run in my Shirai deck, and I'm like, hey, if I never end the Monarch, cool. Cool with me. I'm good with the other one. Right. So Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, my next one works well if you decide you want to mill yourself. But it's not just determined about you, because it is a doppelganger for the table. We are talking Ooh. Demir Doppelganger. Colorless oh, Demir, creature shapeshifter rare. It's a zero two for about a dollar. It's activated ability as a colorless Demir. Exile target creature card from a graveyard. So do it for you. Do it for your opponents. Uh, and Demir Anyone Doppelganger else? becomes a copy of that card, except it has this ability. Now, one key thing here is it will have the name of that card, so you can't. If someone milled a Mirko Vosk or it died, you couldn't have this become a Mirko Vosk and then oh, have sure. your Mirko Vosk out because that would be the legendary rule. But to basically snipe exile stuff, the best thing from your opponent's graveyards for three mana, that's where it's okay to mill those Marin players and not have a way to exile their graveyard as a whole. Right. So it's like, oh, you're going to target your Woodfall combo three mana. No, you're not. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I don't run a lot of targeted exile from Graveyard. I think every deck needs it. And this one being repeatable, that does play into the theme, is very strong, especially for a dollar or whatever it looks out to be. And there is a little bit of flavor text that you did. Try to try to weasel through. And uh, This is from another great one that you hate because you don't know the frame of reference. Yora Academy Researcher, a.k.a. Sarah Goldfarb from Requiem for a Dream, which is the oh, old, yeah. lady, old on lady on meth. Fear not, your life will not go unlived. Yeah. Hit me that sweet pot, baby. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, uh, I need a lot more math. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Anyways, this card's bananas. Um, but once again, the nice thing about it is you can leave it in your deck tuck. Even if you trans transform it and get rid of all the yeah. I care about my graveyard and it's only my opponent's graveyard stuff, this still works great. So I think this is a card no matter what direction you take the deck, it will have a home. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, what's your next one? So I'm a sucker for Surveil. And honestly, whenever I play this, I usually forget that it's even on the card uh, because I mostly just run it as very efficient creature removal sometimes. So for that, you got to pay the price of fame. So three colorless and a black for this uncommon. It's an instant. It costs two less to cast if it targets a legendary Sounds creature. Sounds like murder is better. Destroy target, destroy target creature, incorrect. Uh, destroy target creature. And then also it has the oft-forgotten surveil two at the bottom of it. So for me, it's one more mana than murder at instant speed that sometimes could cost a, one less as murder we're playing in a format where legendary creatures are running rampant. There's always going to be a commander that you're going to want to blast into the nether realm. And the fact that you also get to do the surveil, get to see your four cards potentially, or well, rather you get to see two in this phase. But the fact that you can kind of figure out if you want to pull something from your graveyard, figure out what you want to do on your next turn. That's why I think Price of Fame is a real good inclusion in this deck. I don't like it. It's You don't like it's, this? It's subjectively a... That's why I said sub one mana more one murder. mana more murder for surveilled two. I don't know. I I just once again I don't know how like if if your deck isn't really focused on your graveyard the surveil thing's just cute. Scry is just that much better because you you only but, want stuff in your graveyard if you have consistent ways to pull that stuff out. So surveil is just you. Pigeon, we always talk about you're just pigeonholing a mechanic that's there's better. 
But if you had, if murder cost one more and also let you scry to or surveil to, I guarantee you would play. No, it. I wouldn't. Because there are there what? are more expensive murders that also add on effects, and I don't run them. Sure, because grisly spectacle. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> have to have that sweet sweet space of it's just cost just enough, and it's just universal, and it's just cheap enough. Um, and I think this is just a little too cute just for surveil to. The legend, but for two mana to blow up a commander at instant speed, and then you surveil. That, but that, think of the possibilities. But that's so. How how bad are you gonna feel when you waste two mana to blow up? They're watch their watch Reese watch redeemed. yeah Reese the redeemed. Watch they're not even watch all the uh, legends the uh, commanders are all indestructible. And it's like I guess I paid two mana to surveil two. Little two, <sighs> not a bad rate. I think it's I think the argument can oh be made. God. I'm a big fan of this, and it's even better because it's already in the other precon, so I don't even need to buy another oh my copy. Gosh. Although I gladly would. <laughs> well, my last one is a bulk rare at thirty cents. Uh, this is a sorcery, and it deals with my graveyard and my opponent's graveyards. So we are talking spell twine. Five colorless oh, blue yeah. sorcery. <laughs> Exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard and target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard. Copy those cards, cast the copies if able without paying their mana cost, and then you exile spell twine. So here's a big thing, though, because you guys have heard me many, many times in the past with the Primordials. I do not like having to rely on other people's graveyards to have stuff to yeah, do. Sure. Here's where I think this is this card is fine. It is overcosted, but we did talk about mission briefing earlier. Two mana, surveil, have the option to pay the CMC of a instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Well, I'm gonna think other than you know Tuck's very example which would just be sad where you do that for preordain or brainstorm <laughs> hopefully you're doing it for diabolic tutor or uh maybe some of the things in the yeast package that probably cost sure. close to six mana or more so i'm okay with this even if it just hits you well did i get my i know you're not talking about it cyclonic rift back great oh, i saved yeah. some mana uh but the other side is that you are in a mill deck. You are milling your opponents a ton. And so I think you're not going to whiff as frequently on your opponents. Now, you're not going to get game breakers. But if you get a Kadama's Reach right. from one person and then you uh, bounced all of your opponent's non-land stuff, I'd do that for six mana. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why Smeltwine is really strong. Again, it doesn't get your expropriates of the world and that sort of thing that get exiled. But still, if you need a board wipe or something and someone's already blown it, that's why I think this card... Even though it is definitely overcosted, I think it does play into the mid and the late game. I would like to point out that you're in a mill deck, so most likely you're going to make someone mill expropriate, and so you would be able to cast it. Oh, ho, ho, there it is! See, I don't know this. I don't know this exp uh, expropriate tech because I still don't own one. Thank God. <laughs> oh yeah, I love I love in my Jota card. deck milling my expropriate, then casting mnemonic delusion to do it three times. Ah, beautiful. <laughs> three times in a row. <laughs> Perfect. I'm just help, trying to help you. I'm just giving you a taste. All right, Tuck. Well, what's your last hop card? If this card was a legendary card, I would swap it out no matter what into the commander. It's so much better. It's so much stronger, and it's terrifying. Uh, I finally, I've never, I've only been on the receiving end of this card, and it always feels bad. So Sire of Sagnation. Woof. 
Four colorless Namir for a 5-7 creature Eldrazi. That's a mythic. About $4 with the Void. When a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, that player exiles the top two, and then you draw two. So this is also a little bit of thing here, which is another, thank God we can get these out of the way. You old professor of crypto religiosity, which is Oprah Man from Saturday Night Live. <clears throat> well, I, you were just in the land of, of uh, opera. Do you want to give this a shot? I was? Yeah, Italy? I'm pretty sure opera is more like French. No, there's a lot. Okay, there's a lot of German. And no, German, no, absolutely. Right, I did Choir Boy because I was in the Vatican. Now you have to be Opera Man because right, of right, right, the right. rules. They <laughs> 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 can't break them. <clears throat> As the great scourge passed by, Zendikar shivered, then laid silent. This card's really good, uh, as it turns out. Uh, there's there's very few cards I have in here that I want to mill and then reanimate, right? There's a couple we might be talking about later. This is, like, for my, for my money, the best thing you could do, right? Like, turn one in Tomb, turn two, animate dead. It's, again, Magic Christmas Land. I'm well aware of that. But the fact that you can – the fact that even when you hard cast it, it's still a 5-7. It punishes for any land drop. So, Adios Landfall decks, Adios Windgrace decks – it's very, very strong. I think if it just was Exile 2, I wouldn't be as hot on it. But the fact that it also draws you two is just so, so strong for a six drop. Yes, this is very powerful. Nothing else to say. I thought you were going to say I'm cutting no, it. Like, no, this, absolutely not. No, your time in your, your time in Italy is worth um, it. Actually, grade. I feel like this is dropped in price because I know we've talked about this in a past episode. And I thought it was like seven or eight bucks. So if it has dropped to three seventy five, like this is a great time to pick one up because that'll probably be the cheapest it ever yeah. will be. Um, yes, if this was a commander, busted, disgusting. It's, oh my god! It'd be bonkers. Uh, also, <laughs> I think it would be fun if you did a house rule, made this your commander, but you had to build the entire deck, Demir group hug landfall, like where you're where oh. where you're trying to find ways in Demir to force your opponents to get more lands out of their library <sighs> to the yard. That would be awesome. That would be a, that would be a challenge. That would be a deck that I don't know if I could do it. But, but and you know what? And I think awesome. if you figured it out, I think any play group would be like, yeah, you could have Sire of Stagnation to be your yeah, commander. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Go ahead. I have to run nothing but bulk rares and other cards that are unplayable. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up the hop section. Now we're going to head over to how the deck maybe wins in Yeast. Tuck, what are you talking about? They So there's three cards two of which are in my opinion have to haves and one of them is a little bit more on the spicy side the first one is a card that i was very upset that got reprinted because this was up to twenty dollars i should have offloaded it when i did and in similar scope to the labyrinth it's got a round spherical object that when you look into you may not be able to look away from what Ms. Orb? Oh, come on right. <laughs> what what other orb is on here? I don't know. Two colors for an artifact. It's a rare. <laughs> Leave me alone. I can't understand your esoteric nonsense. Uh, two colors for an artifact for about $11 or $10. It used to be about $20, like I said. Um, whenever a permanent becomes untapped, that permanent's controller mills a card. And there is a little bit of flavor text in here, which is Sirash, Keeper of the Cowl, which is the old-timey gangster. <clears throat> now, now, listen here, doll. A step in one direction, see, is two steps away from another one. What a boner. <laughs> uh, 
What a boner. <laughs> I watched the original The Thing from 1951, and literally my dad was falling asleep and then had to come back out because he's like, wait a minute, rewind that. Did he just say boner? And there's a line in that that's like, we don't want to make another boner like we did out <laughs> on the ice. Wow. Woof. Yeah. So, uh, Ms. Miracle, back to, back to the non- Ridiculous deep cuts. Very strong for a two drop. Uh, this has burned me in the past, if you're curious. Uh, but hopefully by the time you're getting this thing going, other people are going to be more mana dependent and more specifically creature attacking dependent. That's where this really comes up. For me, this is like a big deterrent against token decks, which I can't really answer. Like crazy artifact decks, can't really answer those either. Um, and then hopefully in those mill cards that I'm coming off of my own, I might be able to hit something that I might be able to reanimate the... the uh, Sire stagnations of the world and whatnot. I really like this card. It's interesting, though, because... So I, I believe Sir Nathan runs this as well, and it, and it has done work. But honestly, when I look at it, I almost think of this as like an Alter of the Brood card, to where you, it's like, you, I guess you kind of just should put this in any deck because people are tapping lands, and they're just going right. to naturally have to mill 8 at their upkeep, or 10, very much like Alter of the Brood. Like, right. I'm going to make everyone mill, like, a collective 9 to 10 on my turn because I'm going to play permanents. But I don't really run this card. I don't play it. And I think it's maybe because it also can mill me, and I don't like that. Right. Um, but I did not know this was a $20 card. Oh, yeah, it was. I'm This would be pretty good in your Aloro deck, right? Because a lot of that deck, you're building up your pillow fort, and then you're just, like, kind of passing and gaining life, Yeah, right? that's fair. Hmm. But, again, like, I don't know if you have any sort of self-recursion in that deck. I haven't seen that deck in 20 years, so who knows? I haven't seen that deck since the Dust Bowl. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, my first one, I have died many times by this card. It's a stupid one drop from Zendikar. I don't... It oh. is $26. So, so uh, Blood Chief Ascension? What the hell? A single black enchantment? <laughs> uh, can we agree that this is probably the best quest counter enchantment card out there? Oh, yeah, not yeah, even close? I, some assholes out there will say that the... Um, the angel one is on par with this. I disagree because you still have to pay yeah, mana to get yeah. it. And this just does it naturally. So at the beginning of each instep, if an opponent lost two or more life this turn, you put a quest counter on the Blood Chief Ascension. Um, whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, if Blood Chief Ascension has three or more quest counters on it, you may have that player lose two life. If you do, you gain two life. And it says a card, not whenever cards are put into an opponent's graveyard. Right, right. So if Mirko Vosk mills you for 10, you're losing 20. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. Uh, it's so stupid. It should be $400 so no one plays it. This sometimes doesn't play well because I don't have a – if people don't want to attack, then you're kind of like, all right, well, this is going to take six turns to turn around. How many times – how many decks do you think you've seen this in in the wild? Well, I mean – More than 10? I mean, probably, yeah. For those I who mean, can afford it? Yeah, because, I mean, I, pr I saw this more frequently when I was in Memphis at the card shop. And I think you're going to see this card more frequently at card shops that have a uh, more tenured commander uh, mm, group. Mm -hmm. Because they have been playing for a long time. And, and I think that's – actually, I think that's a kind of a good rule if you kind of think about it. Other than the people that just have money to be able to go buy expensive cards, most people that have really expensive cards like this, it's either A – they've had their eye on it for a while they've been saving yeah. up or trading towards it or they just bought it a long time ago like i think when i got my blood chief ascension it was probably like six bucks sure seven yeah. bucks and now it's 27 i wouldn't pay 27 for it no but i got it on my uh nickel bolus deck and hell yeah oh, i love i love it yeah. when i see it
Uh, I think this was another one from former friend of the show, APB out Tice, where this is something where they would open it in packs and like rip it up like Shouldreds. Like, oh, great, Blood Chief. What a waste. I can't play this in standard. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, not, not good. All right, Tech. Well, what's your second one? Uh, for a fraction of the cost, but in my opinion, well, actually, no, it's not even close to as good. Uh, but it, <laughs> I do like this because it's a burst effect. Um, I think the cards that do something where you don't have to wait around for a while in this deck are really valuable because you do get hurt pretty quick. And this one's going to grind you right in the brain. No? Really? Mind grind, baby, all day. X and a blue and a black Demir for a sorcery. Each opponent reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals X land cards, then puts all cards revealed this way into his or her graveyard. X cannot be zero. So I have one with this card. I've done this card in response to just, I need to do it for five and see what happens. I've also done this card when I know I'm dying and I'm just going to make it difficult for everyone else. So for me, it fits all three categories of what I want my use to be. Can win you the game, can be des can be used desperately, and can be used to very much annoy your opponents. Uh, yeah, I mean, this card's great. Uh, I wish I wish it said basic land cards. Oh, my uh, God. Just, just to make it even more powerful. Uh, but Mind Grains, honestly, this is a card that if you're running a deck that can run Demir and you're doing infinite mana stuff, like Torment to Hellfire, oh, you should sure. run Mindgrind. There's zero reason why you oh, shouldn't. Yeah. Like, I in I, like in a Vile Smashers sort of build, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Or even like my Atraxa, like this wouldn't be a terrible win con to have in there. Like, well, I can't win with Planeswalkers. I guess I'll Mindgrind for 100. Right. Or when you do your big thing, and then you do your Torment to Hellfire for 400, Counterspell, and you're like, all right, well, what's next? I'll just tutor this up and just do yep. it again and win on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it. I like where your head's at. I mean, do you? Because I feel like if I did that against you, you'd be very mad. If I count, if if that exact thing happened where your your Torment of Hellfire, your Exanguinate both got counterspelled, and you still had infinite mana, and then you busted this out, I'd be like, all right, yeah, like <laughs> you got you got you got me you got me with this. Whatever. One. <laughs> Here's exactly what Tuck could do. Oh, of course, of course, you just went infinite again. <laughs> all right. Well, my oh, my second one is actually a card I run in my Shirai deck, and I've seen this creature horror. Oh, guilt God, my yeah. opponents into submission. Uh, guilt feeder, really, really good. Yeah, it's three colorless, it's black, black creature horror rare. It's a zero four for a little over a dollar. It has fear, so it can only be blocked by black creatures and artifact creatures. Whenever guilt feeder attacks and isn't blocked, defending player loses one life for each card in his or her graveyard. AKA, if Tuck plays this at his mid to late game, this could read: when it attacks and isn't blocked, defending player loses the game. Because yeah. you probably, in that mid to late game, probably have 25-ish cards in each opponent's graveyard. I completely agree. And one thing that I think this card does well that I'm hoping to improve on is it actually deals damage, right? It doesn't mill. It actually deals real damage, which can be much more effective losing that life. I think, I like, because I don't have a lot of cards in here. I have a lot of things that mill and deal with milling, but I don't have a lot of things that just deal raw damage as a creature. Oh, okay. I, I I was very confused. I was about to say, it doesn't deal damage. It's at zero power. You just mean it helps lose life of your opponent. Life, yeah. Okay. Like okay. It, it, deals, it, it, it deals with life compared to graveyard as opposed to just graveyard compared to library. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, no, and that I think sense. that's I, I think that's something that's really, that needs to be more present in this deck. 
Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, if you're in a deck that can consistently recur Guilt Feeder, like my Shirai deck can, or maybe a Marin or Kirador, this is probably good for mid-range decks, even if you're not in a mill thing. Like, I do this, and I still get people for 7, 8, 9. That's not nothing. Right. Yeah, and there's always going to be a target that you can just start bashing in for free. And hey, if Alter of the Brood's in there, that's your Spice Package. Quincon, baby! <laughs> Two cards! Alright, uh, Tuck, give us your last Yeast card. This would be the actual commander of the deck because it's a legendary creature, mm. but it's way too dependent on your opponents, which I think we've started to realize we don't really love a lot of. Right? And yeah. I'm guessing I'm guessing either I'm guessing this is not one you're choosing right now, but we'll be discussed at a later point. Uh, I am cutting one legendary creature from your yeast package in my bottle capping. Is it a kraken potentially? I don't know. Is we'll it see. You we'll up? see. Well. Uh, I want to talk about Rexel the Risen Deep. So three colorless, double black, double blue and a black for a five eight legendary creature kraken. That's a mythic and about five bucks. It's uh, got island walk and swamp walk. Again, two of the most played colors in Commander. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may cast target instant and sorcery from that player's graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into a graveyard this turn, exile it instead. I really like this card. I think it's cool. I like the artwork. It's totally Metal Man. Um, it gets it's it gives me a little bit of woodwork on it, but you have to. It's you the deck that this is really good against are kind of rare. It doesn't help you with X spells. Doesn't really help you with extra turn spells. Doesn't help you yep. with creature decks. And it kind of helps you with those like mid to late game big mana spell slingers like the Jodas of the world, right? That's where this really shines. And that's why, for me, I've always wanted to be the commander. And I even played it. And there's been a few times where I just won off commander damage because no one could block it. But I still like the card. I think it still has some gas to it. It's just very situationally dependent on who you're playing. I 1,000% agree. This is one of the cards that, even though you're in a mill deck, I don't like this one. Because unlike Spell Twine, where I can still choose out of my own... This mm. is only that player. Really, the other one, yeah. This card doesn't even mill them, then have right. its effect. It's just what do they have in the graveyard at that time? Um, so for me, Rexel is a little too telegraphed. Because unless you're going to be that guy at the EDH table with a pen and paper, okay, what went in your graveyard? And you're literally keeping notes. It's going to be like, okay, uh, can I see everyone's graveyards? And yeah, let, let, let's, okay. take a, let's take a peek here. Yeah, yeah it's like, okay, <laughs> Rexel's coming. Rexel's coming. Everyone panic. Um, so I, I'm not a big fan of it. I actually was going to cut it, but I was like, I this seems like another, another backup commander in the 99. Um, I will say if you're going to keep Rexel in – I know you own a copy, so you should get a playtest one for this deck. You should probably put Urborg in here, so that way you always have oh, Swamp Walk. Just, yeah, just something yeah, that, that simple, because we do have people, at least in our play group, that like to do the mono greens and mm -hmm. your Boros colors and stuff like that. Yeah, fair point. All right. Well, my last one is a card that I actually wish was legendary, because it would be kind of like maybe a more consistent commander uh so we're talking about nemesis of reason interesting three colorless mirror it's a leviathan horror which really looking at the picture i would say dragon horror almost it kind of reminds me of like those chinese dragons from like sure yeah lore. 
Um, on the ground, yeah. Yeah, it's a the ground seven. It's a rare between 250 and 350. Whenever Nemesis of Reason attacks, the defending player puts the top 10 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. And I do have flavor text. Which is from uh, our pal Hannah, Ships Navigator, the Mad Hatter. Words, Alice! <laughs> Describing it, fail! Pages were letting a shrivel. Tales were counting, end! Would you like some tea? <laughs> Uh, so I really I like this card for your deck. I like that you always get that ten. Yeah, I, that's really really nice. And this is more I think tuck your style when it attacks. You're being forced, but you can do it unprofitably to where if they have a two two Drake, I'll do it and you still mill ten. I don't actually have to connect on the damage. Uh, but you can do weird builds where it's like Demir extra combat. And like, oh, yeah. like that, that could be kind of funny. So uh, the only thing I will say this lacks is it needs some sort of evasion. But I think get, being on attack trigger and having a big butt is probably why they didn't go that route. I This card is one that I paid the iron price for. I think I bought this for $12. And now Ooh. I at least have one or two lying around. I agree with all that, with all the parts on it. Um it is, I like that on the attack trigger. This is one that I'm going to, this is on the chopping block for me. And this was a hard pick. It was kind of between this and a couple other ones. Um, but I'll get as, I'll get to why when we get to that section there. It is a very good card though. All right. uh, and also, also this card has wrecked me in not one, but three cubes that I played when I was in Fort Collins drink. Good. Uh, well, that's going to wrap up the East package. Now we're going to head over to Spice. Good. And uh, I'll start it off with... Uh, what I call, there's only four options. Uh, I'm going yeah. with the other backup commander. This is the one I actually oh, think sure. is the backup commander. Uh, Lazav Demir Mastermind, uh, a.k.a. Yeah. the Godfather's Demir deck. Uh, double blue, double <laughs> black, legendary creature shapeshifter. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It has hexproof. Whenever a creature card is put into a opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may have Lazav. Become a copy of that card, except its name is still Lazav. It's legendary in addition to its other types, and it still has hexproof with that ability. Um, this to me is the perfect backup for your deck, but it's also very glass cannon mm. because it has to be on the battlefield to see the stuff. It's not yeah. like at the beginning of your upkeep, Lazav becomes a copy of something from a graveyard. It needs to see it. Um, and so if you've already done a lot of mill with Mirko Voss early in the game, and then you finally get to Lazav, it's like, well, I don't really have a big mill package now. Right, right, right. Yes, I completely agree. This is this was actually the commander that inspired me to build this deck. Uh, a guy named Matt Sears, who I think you played with in Chicago. He's kind of a bigger guy with a beard, kind of a hipster. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, just described, what, three quarters of the population of Chicago. <laughs> um, he had one, and his was all, like, it was all effect mill, no creature mill, right? And it worked really well. Um, the reason why I have this in Spice, like you said, it's like if you're playing someone who's playing elves, if people are just playing elves, pirates, and whatever, you're like, all right, whatever. But you always have the chance of hitting some monster card. Um, yeah, it's. It, I like the fact that it's hexproof. I think that's cute. But what are you going to do? All right. Well, Tuck, give us your spice. All right. We got I, one more. I'm going to guess. Let me take a guess at this. I think you're going to go with Breath Stealer's Crypt. You are correct, sir. Because this was talked about on an Action 4 Weatherlight Report, and I bought two copies, or maybe one, because it is a piece of magic history. So, 
Brasso's Crypt is an enchantment from Visions. Two colorless, blue and a black. Uh, and it says, whenever any player draws a card, he or she reveals that card. If the card is a creature card, that player pays three life or discards the card. Um, and this actually is a brand new voice from Talim Tor, which my mom, this is a uh, Mother Tucker Ooh. recommendation of Werner Herzog. <clears throat> Far too many soldiers have died in their beds. Damn it! I watch all that. Give me another shot in this. I just watched. I was about to say you just—you of... kind of sound like Trump. No, I no. Um, <clears throat> you know who Werner Herzog is, right? Nope. I actually thought you said what? Bernie Madoff at first. <laughs> what a cut! He okay. So in the Mandalorian, there's that old kind of German-sounding guy. Oh yeah, that, that guy. The, that's yeah. Werner Herzog. Yeah. Oh okay. Um, <clears throat> all right, so. He's German, nihilist. Mm, you see in the chaos. Oh, God damn it. I just literally watched five minutes. Of this. All right, I'm just going to run through this again. <laughs> mm. You see in the raters of the wild, I only see far too many soldiers have died in their beds. God damn it. Just, it. It, just rem- the- it just remember, whenever you're ready, just give Tyler a cue so he knows when to go back in oh no that's all staying in that's all staying <laughs> in. God. uh so anyways i put this in a spice mostly because um it again whiffs if you're playing spell slingers decks it can kind of burn you a little bit i don't run too many creatures but i do have a fair amount of draw stuff in it uh and if there's some strategy where you look at your card you're like oh i don't want to pay three for that I'm a, I don't want to pay three for the Cyrus Nation. I'll put it in my graveyard and then animate it. Uh, the reason why it's in a spice is because, like you said, I don't have a ton of ways of doing that, and that's not really how the deck is, like, tuned to be built. That's, like, the second or third tier of how to do it. I mostly got it because it's a reserved list card. I bought it, and I want to put it in a deck and see how it goes. So far, I've never seen it in action. So here's the only thing I really think this card does for you, um, for this deck, is I think this is somewhat your answer for control players because i I see i see the big thing holding you back in this deck is counter magic and bounce effects that you don't plan for you spend all your mana on a resource and then they get rid of it so breath stealer's crypt is kind of like um oh and i'm drawing a blank on that i think it's an artifact that makes all your opponents play with their hands revealed send triple telepathy telepathy so it's kind of like a slightly worse telepathy but also kind of slightly better. Like, you know, telepathy, it's always revealed. This, they just have to reveal it. But then right. it's a creature. Maybe it gets pitched away, which doesn't really help your control aspect. But I do think this does give you the the knowledge of what am I going to be casting into? And then also, uh, you know, uh, coincidentally, yeah, maybe I make people discard a, a few creature cards here and there. Yeah. And I, I have I run a lot of creature removal, but this deck does struggle with like big creature decks. So if you're gonna play that deck, you might as well have to pay the piper for it. Yep. So that's that's why it's in the spice. All right. And now we're on to the bottle capping. And as a reminder, it's gonna be big texanized cuts and adds to the deck that are gonna be under five dollars, under fifty bucks, and a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana only lands. So under five dollars, I will want to know did you stick by your rule and not cut any spice or did you actually put some on the chopping block 
I did not cut. I'm not cutting any spice this time around. Luckily, um, <clears throat> I will be cutting one of the quote unquote backup commanders. We've talked around him this entire uh, session, if you will, this entire therapy. I'm gonna cut Phoenix. Got a deception. Um, I am too. Are you really? Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, so three colorless blue and a black for legendary enchantment creature god. It's a four seven indestructible. As long as your devotion to blue and black is less than seven, it's not a creature. And as creatures you control have tap target player puts the X target X, top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. X is that this creature's toughness. Great card, great mill strategy. Does not work when you have ten creatures in the entire deck. <laughs> well, you, you have seventeen apparently, um, well, that's or at least what the counter the says. Yeah. But I actually had the same thought. Um, I mean, I only run Phanax in my Aloro deck because he's an indestructible blocker and I'm yeah. such a pillow fort. It's like the mill's kind of nice, but it's really just there. If you're in a mill deck and you don't have big butts or a way of making big butts or even ways of making lots of tokens, you only have one token producer in the entire deck. Yeah, exactly. And that only makes tokens if you're attacking with zombies, which you only have one of in of, the deck correct so yes like yeah it's just fadex just doesn't make a lot of sense so i'm curious uh what you decided to replace it with well um i was gonna put in something but <laughs> oh god you know who you just reminded me of you sounded like the old fuck from Scrooge, that was Bill Murray's boss oh, when he that, came like, when back he sho dead. When he shoves him out of the thing. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, I am putting in, it's finally dropped down to way below what I thought was going to be affordable. Tasha's hideous laughter. Uh, uh. Coalesce in a blue, blue for sorcery. Each opponent exiles from the top of their library until that player has exiled cards with total mana value 20 or more. So, again, one thing I've noticed is I really want that burst kind of mill exile. And granted, this isn't necessarily a mill, but I think this card's going to hit a lot of cards for multiple opponents. If this said player, unplayable in Commander, in my sure. opinion. But the fact that it's each opponent... Um, I think you're going to hit a lot of good value in here. And for three mana, it just seems like it's a very efficient way of doing so. So I know like our Facebook group has been talking about this card, especially with like the Ashiok, I think that got, or no, it wasn't the Ashiok. It's um, that other legend that gets the power can play. It's a night, the, the, night, the nightmare horror guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, so I know a lot of people were kind of talking about Tasha's with that. The whole total mana value of 20 or more, like I like the card and I think the mana cost is fair at three. Just the total mana value of 20 or more, that scares me. Just Commander yeah. has so many big mana stuff to where you maybe only get three or four cards off of someone. Um, and it's like, okay, is it was it worth three mana to maybe get rid of 12 cards that have a combined 60 mana of value? Right. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's, um, I, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think there is one thing because I think that's a that's an argument a lot of people in Commander make, right? Like this isn't Legacy where you're going to hit half their deck, right, or all yeah. of it. Uh, but I do think that the Commander cards that are higher in Commander and in, in cost generally are going to be the good ones, right? Like the Blightsteel Colossi of the world, that sort of thing. So even if you're only hitting three cards, that they're all like critical to the game plan, that might be worth it. I've not seen this card played outside of Bosch and Roll. Stay tuned. Uh, his his streams, but he only plays 60-card formats. Sure. Well, and the other thing I have an issue with this card in your deck 
is that you're unless we're going away from wanting stuff in our opponent's graveyards, like the exile thing kind of sucks. Yeah. So, you know, that's not going to help your Sepulchrum Primordial. It's not going to help your uh, Diluvian Primordial. Right. Reanimates so of the it, world, sure. Yeah. So, once again, it's, it's a very interesting card. I think you have some design space, but... We've already kind of said, like, well, you had this makeshift, like, well, I want to mill, and then I want them to mill, and I kind of want stuff from my yard specifically, but then their yard. And, okay, well, let, maybe let's go more on the opponents. Right, well, right, now right. it's a, we're not really milling. It's like, oh, well, now we're kind of exiling, so do I even want to be able to pull from my opponent's Does it even yard? matter, right? Do, do I even, do I just want to focus on mill to exile? Maybe that's, like, my stitch, so or skip, whatever, however you say it. So that's the only thing. Uh, I'd be interested, though, to hear about it. But yeah. I don't know if you want to spend four dollars on a card if this is only the the only deck you could have a home uh, with. Uh, yeah, it's hard. I I still I just like this card a lot. <laughs> it was like the first card previewed from that set that I was wrong about. So mm -hmm. I'll probably end up with a copy and we'll see what happens with it. That's fair. All right. Well, like I said, I was cutting the exact same card for we already talked about the reasons, and I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Tuck, you, you got. I, I wanted to start kind of putting this deck in a direction that maybe fits your new play group. Uh, fits your play style, and you have a few different cards in here that deal with combat damage. When they attack, oh, okay. a thing happens. So I think if we take out that Phoenix and put in Fire Shrieker, we can oh, actually start okay. to make the deck a little bit more fun, and it's not just mill. So Fire Shrieker's three colorless artifact equipment. You can get one for about 30 cents. Uh, equip for two, and equip creature has double strike. So when we start kind of looking at your different uh, cards, Mirko Vosk would trigger twice. Right. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, that's insane. insane. Uh, you go down. Rex, even Rexel, that's combat damage, right? You get two triggers off of that. There you go. Uh, so I think there's a lot of different things. And then even your Undead Alchemist, you would get right, extra right, right, combat right. things off of that. So... I, I believe there is a build of this deck. Now, there's not a lot of ways to do double strike in Demir. I looked it up. Oh, believe uh, But <laughs> I, I think there's, like, one other equipment that you can do. So, but if you wanted to kind of do this thing to almost like, hey, I'm going to use my tutor package to get Fire Shrieker, and then I'm just, I'm going to be living in the red zone, but now I'm getting these extra effects with the double strike. That could be interesting yeah. and, and different. It's not just Mirko Vosk mill you right. until you have no cards. It's, hey, I'm trying to like maybe kill you off of command damage. I'm going to try to mill you out of your library. I, I, I dig it, and it actually plays perfectly into my last pick about dealing com actually dealing damage which i think is very important nice well let's go to under 50 what are you cutting i'm cutting guild lotus um i have grown to hate this card uh i don't like it anymore it's still five dollars i think i have like 10 so at some point i just need to go and offload them uh five colorless tap for three mana be careful though we talked about you doing that with soul ring and by the time you did it they were worth nothing i know i should have done it immediately that's what i'm saying i should do it now it's fine it's whatever uh i think i think now like i don't have an arcane signet in here i have a talisman of dominance there's just better mana rocks at this rate uh, sure. But I'm not cutting it for that. I'm cutting it for a slam dunk card that I am. This is one, speaking of waiting on price, I'm very glad I waited and didn't pre-order or buy. Bruvac, Grand Liloquent, kind of have to have it in here. So two colorless and a blue. If the opponent would mill one or more card, they milled twice that many cards instead. And it is plummeted in price to $15, which is still a lot. But... The effect is so good. It doesn't matter if I'm still... Mr. Combo is giving me a weird face right now. It's like a mix between 
Kermit the Frog and a Jack-O-Lantern. This deck is still a mill deck no matter how many times you cut it, right? The command If we just keep the commander and they'll get no further cards, this is going to start adding up very, very quickly. So for me, if you're playing a, a dedicated mill deck, you kind of have to have Bruvac, which is why he's $15. Except you don't. You don't like it? No, I don't like it for your deck. If you notice, you actually don't have that many things that I believe would constitute as mill for Bruvac. A lot of it's reveal from the top of your library until you get this, put that into your graveyard. That is not mill. Oh, interesting. Just like how put the top card of your library into your hand is not draw. Hmm. So I'm looking at uh, Consuming Aberration. I'm looking at Mirko Vosk. I, so the right now, the only things that you have in your deck that are actual mill um, would be Phoenix, Ruin Crab... Fleet Swallower, well, no, because uh, Fleet Swallower, uh, yeah, so that one would be a yeah. mill. Uh, there was one uh, one other one. It was the one I talked about earlier that you were going to cut, the Nemesis. Of that would be a yeah. mill. Um, Mismirgorn, Mime Grind, I don't know. I think there's I think there's a fair amount in here. And then uh, Undead Alchemist would be another. Um, so it's just... You're going to have to be very careful. I think you really need to go through and actually kind and of make a what, pile. Yeah. What do you actually have that's mill? And I would say this, Tuck, whatever your total number of things that put things into graveyards from top of library, like whatever that total number is, you probably need 50% of that pile to be things that actually constitute as mill to mill. justify Bruvac. A, because he's expensive, and it's literally, you don't want to have him in the deck for five cards. Five cards, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. I actually didn't think about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, have to, I guess I have to just do some researching. Ooh, there you go. Ooh, um, ooh. All right. For me, I'm cutting body double. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, body double, four colorless blue, shapeshifter, zero, zero. You may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature card in a graveyard. Um, it's, it's fine, but it's boring. And yeah. I wanted to give you a flavor. Ooh. So... It's a mechanic I've wanted to see played in a deck for years because it completely <laughs> ripped off Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think we have a deck that finally makes it work. Archive Trap. Oh, Three colors, trap, blue, yeah. blue. Instant Trap. It's a rare. Uh, target opponent puts the top 13 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. But here's where I think this is actually going to work well for you. It's $23. It's yeah, <laughs> very expensive. If an opponent searched his or her library this turn, you may pay nothing that rather than pay Archive Trap's mana cost. we ta I talked a little bit earlier about why I like that one Demir card, and I think the control decks are the ones that are going to hurt you. What do control decks also usually do? They usually tutor, tutor. to the top of the library, Mystic, Mystic Tutor, whatever, Vampiric. And the nice thing is that since this, it doesn't say, you know, you may reduce it by three, so then it's a blue-blue. That right, It's just, right, right. it's free. So it being completely free, you're going to have people that are like, oh, did my tutor resolve? Awesome. To the top, I'm fine. Hey, for free, uh, mill the right. top 13, and now you just mill the card you tutored. Uh, or it could be something to where Kozilek's in the graveyard, triggers on the stack, you're so close to milling them, let me go ahead and even if I have to pay five, I'm going to instant speed right. mill you for 13 and hopefully get you below what you needed. Um, so I think this card actually has a ton of utility in your deck. Yeah, it's really good. Um, this was on the list for me as well. It's literally on the list, which is kind of funny there, which explains why it's $24. That's a lot to spend. <laughs> but, but 
it is a very, very good card and a great inclusion, especially because I hate people who tutor and tutor and tutor. So it does, it does fit me on that. And this is a card that I actually believe, um, depending on your play group, if your play group is a tutor, tutor to the top of the library type group, or even top deck manipulation, right. Archive Trap could probably see play in a lot of your blue decks where Counterspell is. Yeah. It's like, oh, what am I putting in here? Cyclonic Rift, Ristic Study, uh, Counterspell, and Archive Trap. Or, like, Archive it, could Trap yeah. it, it could have a home like that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for sure. So maybe I'll see if I well, can find it in Japanese. No budget. What did you cut? What did you add? So I'm cutting Nemesis of Reason, as I talked about, mostly just because I like it a lot. Um, I just don't like <laughs> I'm the cutting it because I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate it. I just <laughs> This was a card I was really excited to get in the deck, and it just has kind of always underperformed. Um, and I think one of the reasons why, like, I'm cutting it for a card that does something... It's also combat focus, which works very well in your uh, double strike combat thing. But this card actually can get huge and deal damage. So I don't know if this is going to be a winner or not. But I think the Haunt of Hightower could be an interesting inclusion. So four colorless, double black for legendary creature vampire, flying lifelink, when it attacked, defending players discards the cards. And then whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, put a 1-1 counter on the Haunt of Hightower. So it's a little, for me, obviously, this is like a big juicy target, right? Like this, yeah. it's cost six mana. That's a lot for this deck. I already talked about how I don't have it. But why I like this is because this this is another card in similar scope to um, Guilt Feeder that deals with life, right? You're attacking the life, not the library. And sometimes someone's playing a Kozilek, like you said, right? So even if you mill them a gazillion times, they just monster mash, and then you go back to it. And you're stuck in that trap, which has happened before. This thing is going to get humongous. It has lifelink. And it has evasion on it. So for me, I'm interested. It's five bucks. Um, it probably won't see play in maybe any other deck. But I'm interested to see if that will matter. And if there will actually be, what, in vampire decks, you mean? Yeah, I was about to say, you might want to buy this now. Because I bet you this will probably spike. Oh, yeah. There's a because lot of, there's yeah. so many. I, I would almost say any legendary rare. Or, how about this? Any vampire that's probably rare or mythic you probably want to take a hard look at it to see if you just right. need to buy it now. Uh, Cause it's not, it's right now will be the cheapest. It will be for probably a couple years. Yeah, for sure. So that's why it kind of fills in the same slot as Emerson's reason, but again, is attacking the life total, not the library. Yeah. I mean, look, I think for me, this is fine. It's a little too uh, targetable for my yeah. taste. You know, like we talked, I talked to that whole soliloquy around lightning greaves this is another one that it's like it hits. People aren't going to let you keep it there because of what right. your deck does. Because very easily, this thing could go from a 3-3 to a 33-33. And in you just turn, had right, like yeah. Yeah, in a turn. And then you're just one-shotting people and gaining 33 life. So right. this has a massive ceiling. But its floor is I play it, you immediately remove it. And I don't know sort if six mana is where you want to be investing a removal spell bait card. Good point. And again, if this was, I think this card would get a lot better if this was more self mill because mm -hmm. you could get it earlier before people can have their defenses up. But again, like you said, I think that, I think the deck stretched a little thin in that regard. Yeah. All right. We're on to me and the last card. Um, and I actually really like this card, but I like the card I found better. Uh, Thief okay. of Sanity. Um, I'm going to yeah. cut that. So, wow, two, two spices, he says. Yeah, Colorless Demir, Creature Spectre. It's a 2-2, two, two, uh, not related to Regina Spectre. Um, it is a rare flying whenever Thief of Sanity deals combat damage to a player. Look at the top three of that player's library. Exile one of them face down, then put the rest into the graveyard. 
For as long as that card remains exiled, you may look at it, you may cast it, which is key, uh, and you may spend mana as though it mana of any type to cast that spell. The reason I'm getting rid of this card, I liked playing this in Standard because it was kind of my card draw or ramp in that kind right, of format. Right. Commander, because so many things are one-ofs, most people's decks, 35% of the whole thing is lands. Right, right, right. And it says cast, not play. If it said play, I would leave it in, but the fact that you could get lands and literally not be able to use them would suck. Yeah, so, yeah. I found a card. It's a little it's a little risky and it is a little <laughs> bit more on the uh, you getting milled piece, but okay. from Odyssey for 57 cents, Charmed Pendant. I think it's very interesting. Four colorless artifact, it's a rare tap, mill a card. For each colored mana symbol in the milled card's mana cost, add one mana of that color activate anytime you could do an instant and then they do give you for example if the card's mana cost is three generic blue blue black you would get blue blue black to your mana pool and i went through your cards and you actually have a lot of cards with double pips double. in the mana thing so basically right. this to me is a mana rock that many times will at least get you one but it could get you two or three or four. I mean, hell, you mill Lazav. That's four mana to your mana pool right, right. there. Now, it's you're going to have to figure out your strategy around the how much are you milling yourself versus your opponents. This is more on, I guess, the milling yourself piece. But I think this is kind of cool flavor-wise. And 50 cents, if this doesn't work, you probably have other decks that you could probably test this out in. Hey, I'll make it even easier for you. I'll just cut Gilded Lotus for this in a heartbeat. <laughs> no question. So when asked. you so when you talked about Gilded Lotus and you're gonna cut it, I wanted to jump in and be like, ooh, one of my ads will yeah, actually be things. better yeah, than yeah. that. But I was like, no, no, that's fine. Uh so have you ever seen this card before? I think I've seen it. I've it's been in like recommended cards in the deep down dungeon of yeah. it. I've never seen yeah. it in life. But I think like it's such a low barrier for entry. I kind of like like 57 cents to take a risk on it. And if you're playing something yeah. that's only graveyard matters, sure, why not, right? Like you get your Woodfall Primus and you get three mana back for it. And here's a cool thing, Tuck, because this is colorless and that's just a reminder text. It doesn't mean it has to be in a Demir deck. Right. If you still had your, I think you still have it, your re-end deck, don't you? Re-end? Yeah. Wasn't that the uh, one that you built off of the Commander Smith's? Whenever your stuff dies, it can all come back. If it oh. has like the pips, I yeah, I got I got rid of that deck. That deck was terrible. Oh, okay. Well, the only well, good part this... of that deck was you holding the table hostage with Nova Blastworm for like the entire game. That was awesome. But uh, a deck like that is where I think Charm Pendant could also be really good. It, it just so happens you built your deck to where you have a lot of the pips. But right. there are people that build decks with you know the okay. I always have to have two different colored pips or three different colored right, pips right, in right, there because right. I'm looking to do the multicolored route. Charm Pendant. I've can't believe I haven't seen this card played <laughs> in those other decks because it seems like oh do this. I just added three mana to my mana pool. Great. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot, man. Coming in to a TCG order near you. Well, guys, thanks for making it until the end. And if you really like the episode, leave that five-star review. Leave some positive feedback and make sure you subscribe and follow. If you'd like to get a hold of the cast to let us know how we're doing, here's how you could do that. You can reach me at Mr. Combo number five on Twitter. I'll spell that except for the five. Big Tuck, where could they reach you? 
Uh, you can still reach me at Big Tuck Tweeting on Twitter. And I did wish Matthew McConaughey a happy birthday this week. Uh, Mr. Uh, Duffman did point out that it's unlikely that it's the same Matthew McConaughey because this looks like a heavyset gentleman from maybe New Jersey. But still, I'm sure he still appreciated it. Oh, I'm sure he absolutely appreciated it. Um, you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Also, we will have the article posted online, cmdtower.com slash bnbe113. Uh, you'll be able to see our cuts, our ads, a link to the deck. Um, and of course, if you have any comments, you can leave them there. Uh, basically, though, all you have to type in is consuming aberration, morphic pool, Demir Doppelganger Tower.com. Now, if you would like to, uh, of course, let our amazing audio and video producer for Bruce and Builds know what kind of a good job he did, hit him up on Twitter at underscore Tcoats. Tyler does all the Bruce and Builds editing um, for CMD Tower, uh, YouTube, the graphics, uh, the you know artwork. Uh, the audio pieces, he's now doing all the effects. So if there's things that you would like to see done differently, please let us know. Now, if you would like to help us out financially uh, so that way we can constantly improve the content, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have the four different tiers. You know, the mid-tiers are only 5 and 15 bucks a month, but you actually get a bunch of really cool swag from it, plus continual swag throughout the year. The big hot one, though, is we do have a limited number of CMD Tower uh, holiday sweaters. I think we're getting a total of 80, and once they're gone, they're gone. Um, prob I mean, we'll do maybe do a different design next year, uh, but we're going to kind of pilot this out, see if everyone likes them. But here's the cool thing, guys. Uh, one of these sweaters, I mean, they're insanely soft, really good quality. They're 50 bucks. But if you're a patron, you get it for 30. We're giving you a $20 discount for literally joining. So you could then, in theory, join our dollar entry level to get access into the Discord and be able to engage with our community for a buck a month. And that $20 just paid for 20 months of access to our patron, that money that you saved. So it's a great opportunity to be able to save some money, support the channel, and be able to further grow our community. Now, uh, if you're an existing patron and you would like to refer a friend, a frenemy, or colleague even to join the collective, be sure that they reach out to us on Patreon and let them know what member actually referred them so we could send you a little thank you. Now, if you don't want to join our patron community, but maybe you see that holiday sweater and you're like, man, that thing is fire, uh, you can head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. We sell our play mats, we sell our sleeves, our coins, our reminder tokens, all the good stuff on there. Um, and please, there is a redacted bit that I am obligated to not talk about. So, Big Tuck, Mirko Voss, the deck drinker. How do you feel about the deck and... Do you think maybe there's some tweaks coming in the future? Yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway I have from here, um, it's it's not a deck I'm going to take apart because there's really nowhere to do with the cards, right? Like, I don't have another mill deck, so I might as well just keep it together. I think it does really need to get narrowed down to, do I even care about me milling? And if so, what cards can I cut out to not worry about that, right? Like, I think that's a big mm -hmm. thing. And I think, like, 
there's some things like the charm pendant, which I think is cute enough to keep in. I think that's a great inclusion. Um, but getting back to the combat thing, I think is really big. Um, and just really trying to narrow down, do I even care about my own graveyard or just opponents? Yeah, and I think actually, Tuck, once you figure that out, like I know we did our own cuts for the bottle capping, but most likely once you figure out like, what is your focus? Opponent mill or self mill? And then you cut out the cards that don't make sense once you pick the direction. You're probably going to cut like 10 cards, 12 cards. Yeah, exactly. That's your bottle capping right there. Plus now you have extra space to maybe start, you know, do you want to do extra combat? Like, is there a way you could do that in Demir? Like, would yeah, that yeah, be yeah. kind of cute? Or, oh, like, do I want it to be a uh, fire shrieker, like double strike? I am getting something double strike. And, you know, that's how I want to win the game. Like, okay, what can I do to support that? I think once, and that's kind of what I noticed with my Aloro. Once I got away from the 13 uh, themes <laughs> of uh, yeah. Azor, or not Azorius, um, Oh, God. Esper. Esper. There you are. Uh, the, the 13 themes of Esper in there, and I got it narrowed down to, you know, just the the primary two. The deck just it flowed a lot better. I had a lot more open spots. So I think I think this could see an evolution, and then next time you and I talk about it, it's like, yeah, I actually kind of enjoy it because now I don't feel like I'm being stretched into four different corners. I just got, like, ways. a yeah, couple sure. ways I'm going. Yeah, I agree. So looking forward to getting those cuts and uh, hopefully turning this into a deck that makes a rotation a little bit more. And it'll be exciting because once this episode comes out, it'll be one week away from the Drinkathon. Dun, dun, dun! Whoa. 